Oh yeah, there's a stream. Stream. Hello and welcome to episode number 235 of Grumpy Old Ben's for uh, Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the government wants to be your grocery store. And from America's left coast, where trolls are standing by, I'm Ryan Pemrose. You know, you think they would sit. They're under the bridge, you're probably under the shade. They can I just don't care if they're sitting, standing, strolling, shambling, or crawling. As long as they're donating. Everybody's like, oh, you're 30 seconds late. And I'm like, how many of you have donated? Yeah. And then crickets. Just crickets. No, they're just standing by. Right. They're not doing anything anything to help produce the show. They're just standing by. Which is what trolls do. They stand. They squat. They do whatever they'd like to do. NetNet does donate. He does. While he's squatting under the bridge. And and, and he he has done more than that. He has even been on this show. Yeah, I mean, which I I mean, we're sorry for that, by the way, we've made we've made a lot of bad choices over the years. Even cold acid was on and that, you know, really, I was feeling so good. On Sunday, you know, the second Thursday of the week, you were off playing disc golf. I guess you didn't get injured. But before we get into that, you left me in charge of, of what to put on after no agenda. And on Sunday, I loved the trolls so much. I put rare encounter on after. Yeah, I didn't quite understand what what you were getting at there. Like, are you trying? I mean, I really appreciate making them demand me coming back. Right. What? Wait, how did this happen? They're like, oh, wait, Bemrose is away. Bring Bemrose back. They started cheering in unison. Cheering in unity. Yeah, that's the one thing they can they can agree on. Yeah. So how was the disc golf? Uh, I, it was actually, I really enjoyed the hell out of myself and I need to get the hell away from you people a lot more often. Um, I didn't even turn on my phone the whole time there. There was a point when we were playing cards and, and getting far more drunk than we should have. When, uh, I mentioned that phone boy was doing his live stream on Friday and, and some people popped in, but I was not one of the people I was just randomly shouting drunkenness at the phone whenever they were leaving voicemails. That was the limit to all of my technological behavior during the trip otherwise so we went out to spokane um and i I know some people are going to say well there's where you screwed up uh the thing is it's a desert over there which means it's still warm it's still in fact it's hot uh it was 90 degrees in the day and then you bunk down and i i didn't bring enough blankets because it was 40 degrees at night um that's pretty big uh, swing it is a pretty big swing. Welcome to the desert and welcome to fall, I guess. But anyway, yeah, we went out, we played uh, six courses in four days uh, for a grand total of 90, 94 holes of disc golf. Was plus anyone walking that came on? Probably. I'm sorry. Was anyone injured? Uh, I lost a couple discs. My pride was injured. My bag. <laughs> uh, Nobody got hit in the nuts. I was. 
completely wiped out. The aforementioned drinking party on Friday night, I learned later that I have uh, quote unquote friends who were spiking my drink, which is why uh, my round on Saturday was awful because I was just destroyed. Wow. That sounds like it might be uh, minorly illegal. Was Bemlet looking to take advantage of you or what? I don't know. I had, I, you know, the funny thing is the course I liked the best was the one we played on Saturday. And yet it was my worst round by far because I was so hungover. At least they didn't just like leave you in a, a truck stop urinal or anything like that. I, I mean, that may have happened, but I don't remember. <laughs> like, well, yeah, as long as they came, as long as so, they got you before you got up, that's all that really matters. Yeah. Suffice it to say, uh, I enjoyed the hell out of myself. Um, as for the score, I prefer not to keep score. Somebody else did, but I never looked at the scorecards. Uh, I feel like I did pretty well, but of course I do because I didn't keep score and that, you know, makes me feel good about it. And uh, enjoyed the crap out of being OTG for a while, which is something I haven't done recently. Um, it's really, really nice to get away from the studio, from the computer, from the social media, from everything. And just get it. Well, it's very hard to do that now because everybody carries the devices. I mean, you're absolutely right. The way you really want to do this is turn them off, ignore them. Most people can't do that. Not because they physically can't. Well, maybe it is a physical issue because they're, they're addicted. Well, it's an addiction. You tell me whether that's physical or not. Partially. I believe anyway. Yeah. But it is. It's a good thing for anything. It's like you just need some time to be in a different mood, a different space, a different kind of, uh, I don't want to say mind space because that's way too uh, hippy dippy, but. It's nice to change it up a little bit and not feel like you're always reachable. That was the great thing about growing up. We didn't have phones. When we went out to play for the day, your parents couldn't just yeah. be like, come home now via a text or call or whatever. I, I have fond memories of going and getting on my bicycle and just, you know, flying down the gravel road at top speed. And of course, you know, we come off and end up with the only time you come home is when you fall off the bike and end up having to put hydrogen peroxide into your gravel infused wounds. But it, it, it just getting outside doing things that you, I don't know. Every Whoa, time I you see had me till getting outside that, I mean, there, there's some things you can do and that I mean, leaving okay. the house really? No. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I'm a boomer. <laughs> what do you mean? Go outside. <laughs> People are out there. I'm just saying that I, it, it reminds me of a time when people didn't have screens in their hands to stare at all the time. And for entertainment, people had to do things that weren't online. And every once in a while, there's the feeling I want to get back to that. However, I'm starting to sound a little sappy. A little, and you're a little younger than I am. So you never had the time without video games being there. There was a brief period in my oh. childhood where video games didn't exist or they were just in the arcade and it wasn't something you could just sit at home and do uh, arcades existed, but my parents were cheap. They wouldn't give me all the coins I wanted. Um, but I want to say I was probably, I don't remember when I got my Atari 2400. That was my first game console. Uh, but we got our first home computer when I was eight and that was in the mid eighties. And I immediately became the guy, the the person in the household who knew how to use the computer, which as, as any kid of the eighties and nineties knows it, 
provides you a, a degree of power over your parents. Yes, the Atari uh, 2600 came out in 1977, so I was seven years old. So there was a brief period. We did have a Pong game, but that wasn't all that exciting. It was one of these like larger consoles that had a little knob on each side, so it had to sit on the table. There there was was a baseball game for that, where where, like the ball was four pixels, Uh and that one I played the crap out of. And it was like, wow, this is amazing! It wasn't a little way since then. But at the same time, I will say, though, that games on those systems were also still crappy enough that you didn't want to spend all your time doing it. Like, right, so you not went only outside. did I play baseball on the Atari 2600, I also went out and played baseball. Right. Oh, yeah. And I had my I evil to evil bike. Oh, yeah. That thing was awesome. Getting go, like going out and f- playing actual physical sports was I mean, that is a thing that I haven't done since childhood, partly because I'm fat and out of shape and a terrible person. Well, that's why disc golf is perfect. Disc golf, I mean, that, that's the closest to a sport. It's physical activity. They're like, can you throw? Yeah, a little. You're on the team, kid. Come on. <laughs> Something like that. Like, can you throw a Frisbee? By the way, the answer is no. Nobody can throw a Frisbee. They're ter- they have terrible aerodynamics. These discs are uh, significantly more streamlined and go a lot farther. Real, actually, yeah, that was. Also I was always thinking they were kind of like a frisbee. So it is a. Uh, well, it's a round plastic disc, but the frisbees are just not aerodynamic, and they like if you throw one really hard, it'll go thirty feet, and it'll probably flip over and crash, right? And if you're really, really good, you can kind of get it to glide. If you, but but it'll never go very far. The disc golf discs, like a pro, can throw one of these things four hundred, five hundred feet. And nobody's and, catching them, I'm assuming. Are they, no, are they heavier? No, well, I mean, if you do, then you're you're going to be picking teeth out of your jaw. <laughs> okay, see, that's a little more dangerous. I like that. Yeah, they, I mean, they're hard plastic discs that are aerodynamic and designed to go very, very fast. Well, at least nobody got injured. I Phone Boy, I have never thrown a drunken asshole, so I don't know. I mean, Phone Boy does it all the time. Throws drunken assholes? Yeah. Don't you yeah. ever hear that on their show? They have a whole segment, the drunken asshole toss. Something like that. Well, at least and my the, uh, the troll room is already going. See, I don't get a troll room like this when I do my other show, Angry Tech News. Well, you ignore them during that show. Well, that's true. Because screw them. They're not saying anything interesting. I got my, the, the last we spoke, did I have my new uh, gateway from Comcast, from Xfinity? Or we, maybe, no, I we were getting it that day. We were getting it that day. I don't know. You spoke at length about some kind of networking hardware, but I really don't listen to you when you do that. Well, that's a better way to go. So I hooked that up and uh, it rebooted, but I'm like, okay, I kind of get it. When you have a new modem, it's probably going to reboot the next day or two because it does download updates. And then we went uh, Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, nothing. Then it redid it uh, on Tuesday. So we're still monitoring at least it's not every day so it's definitely an improvement but dealing with xfinity support is always fun for anyone to deal with i like the part when i had read because i do believe this is associated with the gateway slash modem which would make sense since we did the new gateway and it seemed to have at least changed the the pattern up a little bit but somebody on one of the forums was like well really the only answer is buying your own device. So I went back to Comcast and I'm like, well, 
if the only answer is to buy my own device, can I do that and then not have to pay you the extra $30 for the unlimited? No. Uh Not have to pay. Right. It's like, wait, I still don't. I'm like, do you realize how asinine that is that there's an issue? If you can't fix it, that the answer is for me to buy my own modem, which I'm willing to do at the cost of whatever they are now, a hundred, 200 bucks. Maybe they're more. I don't know. I haven't looked in a while. And then you want to charge me more because I have to buy my own modem in order to fix your problem. But then you want to charge me more to give me what I currently have. It's like, fuck you. So it sounds like you understand it perfectly. Yes, I do. I understand the Xfinity system and why everybody thinks it's Comcastic. It is. It's so much that if you mess with it too much, you'll have a Comcasm. Uh-huh. Very much. Yeah. And I mean, I really shouldn't complain, but I do. I've had their service for years. You're a podcaster. Go ahead and complain. I know. It's the only thing we're supposed to do on podcasts. And overall, the service has been excellent. I mean, I started out when it was AT&T at home, and I remember getting that first cable line put in. And if I'm not mistaken, it was 1.5 megabytes down. (laughs) Yeah, those were the days. Yeah, it was like, but this is fucking awesome because you were going from... What were the regular modems at that point? They had just gone from 33.6. They went up to what? 56K. 56, I think, is, was was peak modem. And then, so this was three times that. Yeah. And oh, always it, on. When, when everybody was on dial-up, and I mean, you were a god if you had DSL. You're like, hey, yeah, because they don't complain that you're not hanging up. Like, why yeah. do you need like, to be online all night, Mr. On. Bemrose? And, you know, that was back when when we used to ask the honest question of why would anybody need a connection that's always on? It's not like my computer is connecting to anything on the Internet unless I ask it to. I guess a good cable modem now, about 130 to 160 bucks, according to NetNed. And, oh, phone boy. Oh, he had ISDN at 128K per second. He was one of those. Oh, yeah. Even had a T1 briefly. Oh. I worship your geekiness. Oh. I wanted a T1 so much until I got cable and realized that it was faster than a T1. Uh-huh. And great googly moogly, sir. Truck driver just boosted us. 3333 says, finally rocking the sats on a podcasting 2.0 app. Because well, he was trying to send some. More than anybody boosted us the entire gap in between the last two shows. Really? We, well, no the boost whole, at all. No, no. Well, while we were gone, I think we had two boosts for uh, like 2000 total. Damn. That's sad. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is when we're not actively talking into the stream, everybody just kind of forgets this show exists. Is it, are they blacking out? Is this one of those things where something so horrible Maybe someone's spiking their drinks? Oh, well, that could be too. Is Bemlet running around? He does that. I think it could just be that the shows are so horrible that people are blocking them out immediately after they're over. Well, that's what's happening to me, but I didn't <laughs> think it was everybody else too. Phone boy's like, who are you assholes again? Exactly. The less you know, the better, phone boy. Otherwise, people yeah, show up at I your door. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Uh-huh. But Sir Truck Driver was trying to get some sat sent over, and he was doing it, I think, through a Bitcoin wallet or something. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. They'll kill you on fees, and they do. You have to have a lightning wallet, which you either uh, go the easy route, like uh, 
I do, or CSB does with the Get LB wallet, and then everybody's like, oh, you're not the real tech. You have to run your own yeah. node, or you run yeah, your yeah. own node oh. like Bemrose, and then you're like, oh, fuck, this is horrible. Yeah. How, how dare you use a service that's always up and reliable? I know. It's it's crazy, isn't it? It's just, uh, like last week, for example, when my my Minecraft server managed to tank my node again. Right. And, oh, again? Like, well, it, it it's the second time that the server had taken, like, the server just needs constant restarts or it runs out of memory. And then it eats all the system memory, I think. And uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But during uh, last week's show, I had said something about uh, uh, last week's ATN. I said something like, well, I don't know who donated because my note is down. And then I managed to get it back up while I was mastering. So I attached a little bit of extra to the end saying, oh, and by the way, thank you to all these people who donated. I got my note back up. So you fixed it in post. I fixed it in post. People say podcasters never do but, that, but we do. You know, I, I apparently I am a really crappy dude named Ben because I am having some kind of failure in my rig every single week. So either I stuck at keeping my system up or I'm using hardware that's 12 years old. That could be it. Because uh, yesterday I had to do ATN on Wi-Fi because when, you know, I shut the whole system down to leave on my OTG vacation, when I brought it back up, the ethernet card did not come back up with it. <laughs> That's a new one. Yeah. Yeah. I, like what? I was, it was a um, onboard controller that just like card didn't, it was windows was telling it throwing errors or whatever. Windows is so helpful. It's like this device is not operating as expected. Okay. So what's wrong? Well, this device is not operating as expected. Thank you. Windows. You're very helpful. Yeah. It may as well just say big, bad windows confused. So I just disabled that and ordered a, I've now got a brand new shiny Nick in a PCI slot. Oh, wow. I mean, I replaced the Nick on this Dell, which is only a couple of years old because the new gateways on the Comcast thingy thingy, they throw out 2.5 gig because we now download at about 1.5 gig. So if you have a gigabit card, then it's like, can't use it. You can only get up to a gig. Like I want my gig and a half, man. Yeah. Well, I, I also got a shiny gigabit card, which is totally plugging into my hundred megabit modem. Yeah. It's a little slower, which, which is going out to my 35 megabit ISP. <laughs> See how things keep slowing down. Yeah. I like that. The new router will show me, and this is the, uh, what is it? Nasus router. That it shows you each of the ports. Everything is graphically represented in the firmware. And it was showing me one of the ports. Like, well, this port is not running at full speed. And I realized. What does, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, it meant it was knocking its, its speed was being knocked down to the 100 speeds rather than the gig speeds. And I went downstairs and looked at the the uh the switch that was down there because there's a the router here feeds a direct cable line to a switch downstairs in the basement which has the four nas systems three nas systems plus the other computer that's sitting down there that i monitor the troll room on and other things and i had forgotten that there was a really old raspberry pi connected there and the Raspberry Pi being connected, I guess, was slowing down the whole switch. So I just got rid of the Pi. 
But I was happy. It's like, because otherwise I wouldn't have even really known that the speeds were down or why. But it was like, warning, Will Robinson, warning, this could run faster. And I'm like, oh, how? I mean, granted, so it just, didn't tell me why, but I figured it out. I just pulled up the event log for uh, to get the exact error message for debugging from uh, from this Nick that didn't work. Here is the error message from the Windows event log. This is the level of debugging that I have to work with. The device is not operating as expected. Like, what are you expecting? I, I expect the device to be operating. <laughs> How is it operating differently from what you expect? How do uh, you know what I'm not expecting? Doing that. Yes. <laughs> like, and people wonder why the, uh, the Benz have all sorts of issues when uh, they deal with these things. But like I said, this, this computer, I think I got this computer in 2014. <laughs> so it's been a while, you know, put a fresh install of windows eight on there. And, uh, it's been a good computer, but it probably is in need of replacement. And I guess things are starting to fall off. And this concerns me. Tech professional net Ned to your error message says, seems pretty cut and dry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the device is not operating as expected. Yeah. It's like, where is it wrong? Where is it wrong? I, I, it's it's just there's not a lot of debugging information in there. That's all. No, that is. So I heard. Issue. I heard that your your new Chicago mayor is going full communist now. <laughs> well, is anybody surprised? He said he was a communist before he got put into office. <laughs> that is what he said, and everybody was like, "Yeah, this is a great idea. It's a great yeah. idea because he's a black dude, and the other dude who was like." We need to get crime under control. We need to put the criminals behind bars. We need to make our streets safe. Well, he was white. So they're like, fuck that and guy. Get, getting crime under control is, is precisely what they're trying to do. They're not trying to reduce crime in any way or make crime not happen. They just want to be the ones who control it. Yes. And since crime is running out of control, since, as we've discussed way too many times, probably for a tech show, that there are major stores in major cities that are closing down at alarming rates because they are being robbed more than a blind woman playing Scrabble with gypsies, that yeah. the Chicago mayor, and I stole that line from Dennis Miller, if people aren't aware of that, was one of the greatest <laughs> lines he ever no, said. No, just own it. Take yeah, I should. Swipe that shit. <laughs> He's like, You're right. Dennis Miller's not working anymore. Fuck that guy. And he's got more money than you do. A little, little bit more. A little did, bit more. I did, I did pull a quote from the Walmart announcement when they were closing the last of their Chicago stores. Walmart has no stores in Chicago anymore. Um, the quote I just liked. The simplest explanation is that collectively our Chicago stores have not been profitable since we opened the first one nearly 17 years ago. These stores lose tens of millions of dollars a year and their annual losses nearly doubled in just the last five years. And what the people in the neighborhoods are like, oh no, they're racist. How yeah. dare they close? Aldi got and, that and, too. And this Brandon Johnson guy who is intentionally out of touch doesn't address why there's food deserts, but he goes up and says, uh, you know, we've got this study that says that people can't have a grocery store near where they live. And therefore, what's he doing exactly? His idea is to open up government run grocery stores. Because yeah, yeah. I guess because bread lines were never a thing. Uh huh. Well, and I guess that 
the people that are currently robbing the grocery stores blind, I guess they're not going to do it if it's a city owned grocery store. No, because they have too much respect for the government. Uh huh. You know, and the only thing I can see would be if this would also include, did we cover the story that Walmart was considering putting police stations inside of their stores? Police stations is police. Is this the self checkout things where you have to fleece yourself? Because <laughs> that is they the won't. police station. They want to put police stations, police uh, satellite police stations in the stores themselves. So that would be their new floor plan. If they're coming down into Redmond, Washington, like, Hey, we're going to put a new Walmart in. We want the Redmond police to have a location in our store. We'll provide <laughs> it for you. But that way it should be a deterrent because there will always be police right there. This is not the worst idea in the world. No, it's not. It's uh, actually I'm, a great idea if you think about it. I mean, it. we're we're quickly approaching the the dystopian future that Adam Curry likes to talk about where uh security is only for the people who can pay for private security and the rest of us just get anarchy. But it, I mean, once you go down that route, like okay, Walmart is playing the game. If if cities are not going to provide any kind of law enforcement for the people, it's up to companies to make sure that they have steps that they and their customers are safe. And, you know, we are we are quickly moving into the kind of anarchy that is being pushed in this dystopia. And it costs a lot of money to build a police station. We're building a new one right here in our little village. So it's not a horrible idea. Like the Walmart comes in, like, tell you what, we'll build your location. We'll provide yeah. it for you. Yeah, well, give us your specs. You'll get a new precinct in our building. Yes. And that way, when we are like, oh, there's a robber, and then you, the police yeah. are there. Yeah, and then and then the cops are like, okay, we'll be there in 15 or 20 minutes. No? I mean, that's what they do with most people. Usually, that's how it would be. Now, I mean, if you're in Austin, they're like, we'll be there in 14, 15 days to take, uh, to take the paperwork down. Although, as our buddy Gene told me, now they have a thing added onto the paperwork online because they make you go online now and fill it out. And it's like, is this just so you can send it to your insurance company? So that way they know they never have to follow up that it's just you're reporting it. You don't really because you understand that if somebody stole your car, laptop, girlfriend, whatever it is, you're probably never seeing it again. So you just click the little box. That way they won't even send somebody out and you'll have a number that you can send to your insurance company that you told the police that whatever you're saying was stolen was stolen and everybody goes upon their merry way. Well, if they're not going to address their incompetence, at least they are going to streamline their incompetence and make it more efficient. Streamlined incompetence is very important. Yes. They are more efficiently incompetent now. And I did, I shouldn't even mention that I pulled a phone boy and missed like the first four minutes of this recording, but luckily the backup recorder was running or is that pulling a Fletcher? Is phone boy just not turning your microphone on? No, no phone boy is, is muting yourself and then going off on a long rant. And, and given that he and his co-host are in the same physical room, what you get is, <laughs> it is he will go off and you, what you get is this. He'll go off and you kind of sound like you're coming through the other microphone, but right. it's quiet and off center and, and, yeah, because his microphone's not on, but his co-host is. And I want to thank his co-host, Phoenix, for a 10,000 Satoshi boost who says, 
I don't always listen to grumpy old Ben's, but when I do, so do my rideshare riders. Oh yeah. <laughs> we're getting <laughs> new cruel. we're getting new listeners one ride share ride at a time. Are we though? No, I don't think we are. Although we're or, we or is she lot. just driving away her own customers? That may be that too. They're like, Can you put anything on? Anything? I mean, anything at all would be fine. Yeah. I mean, literally anything but this show. Put, put on that, that music show with all those drunk people who call in. Right. That hog fucker, whatever show it is. Something like that. We don't talk about Enumclaw, man. But uh, maybe that's what they will do if they have a government-run grocery store in Chicago is incorporate that with the police. I know there's already been grocery stores. I don't know if it was outside of Chicago or in Chicago that made the decision not to carry any brand name. So you want to go in and buy your uh, Frosted Flakes? Well, you're not going to get the Kellogg brand. You're only going to get the generic brand because the people that are stealing only want to steal the name brand, I guess. I don't know what happens if, you, <laughs> if you're if you going in to steal food and you get into a grocery store that doesn't have the name brand but only has generics. Do you just do you turn around and walk away and go to a different grocery store to steal from? I'm curious. No, if you're hungry, you just grab whatever's there. That's what I would think. So I didn't understand how that was I, you a know, great it turns out that, what deterrent. The? Uh-oh, so, do you have a phone? I have a phone. All of a sudden, you are turning into Dvorak. I, I forgot to put it in the damn drawer. drawer. That does sound exactly like Dvorak. <laughs> because because the, the thing only rings when I'm on microphone. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. I have your number, so I should start making it ring more just to see. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's see if I can remember to leave it, or just or maybe I'll just mic it up. Right, that's even better. That's better content than me, anyway. It would be. It would be. So I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know how the generic thing works out, and I don't know if, as Billy Bones said, well, if you know they if they lose a bunch of money on a government run grocery store, then they just have to raise taxes on everybody. They don't even care if they get robbed blind. You know, this is true. The government does have the advantage, a thing that no private company has to worry about, where the, gov- the, the private companies will look at this and say, we're losing tens of millions of dollars a year. We should, you know, do something about that. And the government's like, we're losing tens of million dollars a year. Let's just steal that from the taxpayers. Right. We can make that up. Yeah. And now we can do it in our hoodie. We don't even have to wear nice clothes when going to do our job in the fucking United States Senate. Oh, did this happen? Yeah. They changed the uh, code because, you know, Fetterman. Oh, oh, of course. Is this because he doesn't have enough brain cells left to dress himself? Is that what's going on? I think so. Okay. One of the old one of the old women said she should just start showing up in a bikini. And that I kind of would be so horrified by. It would be worth making it happen. Having done my time in uh, the software industry, far be it from me to insist that anybody gussy themselves up like a penguin just to go into work. Um, I I guess, I guess if people are showing up in a hoodie or, you know, the, the next thing is they'll, they'll be showing up in Congress in drag, which honestly really just is modifying the dress code to, more closely fit the level of respect that that place deserves. Yeah. They may, may as well go in dressed as clowns. I mean, they are, you know, I would vote for shakes, the clown for Senate. You'd be a good candidate. 
Fortunately, your vote wouldn't count. <laughs> it all depends Doesn't where I'm voting. <laughs> yeah. And who's, who's would, ballot I'm using? Would you I'm be using? voting by mail? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, of course. The best voting goes by mail. That way you can vote 14, 15, 100 times. Yes. And also that's sexist because you should also vote by female. Yeah. Well, it's only fair. Yeah. Those jokes are what make this show. (laughs) Those jokes are the reason why this show is probably shutting down. Yeah. People are like, I don't know. What's he, what's this guy talking about? This guy's scaring me. Okay. This, this guy's jokes are really lame. We can't, we can't support this anymore. Okay. It's what happens when the government takes over. This is, hey, didn't you know the government took over this podcast years ago? I've got two uh, bills passed by the California legislature who are, which are going to revolutionize the tech industry. Ooh. Not really. They do, but do they believe it? Well, the, they believe that everything they do is changing the world. In fact, uh, there were quotes by various people in California. I don't know. Somebody the, that the Verge interviewed was saying something to the effect, and I didn't write it down because I hate this, but the quote was something to the effect of, well, California is a leader in, in technological re- regulation. And it, because we are always at the forefront and companies always follow what California leads. So really we're making legislation for the whole country. Like, yeah, yeah it, well, there's something to be said for that because there have been states I don't remember which ones because they were fucking stupid. It might have been Colorado. There were a few states. Colorado, that, Washington. I know I know where you're going with this. Right. Yeah. Whatever way California votes, that's what we're doing. Whatever well, no, laws are, they have. There are actual laws on the rolls in Washington state that says uh, this regulation to be copied from the California section, this, this, this. Uh-huh. So if California amends it, then no must, no action whatsoever. Suddenly the Washington state law changes because making your own laws is just too damn hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're busy spending all your time, virtue signaling about climate change, it becomes hard to do your actual job. This is true. But anyway, the California state legislature has passed two laws and I don't necessarily hate both of these. Uh, And, and I know because of how I feel about California in general and their government in particular, that's hard to say. Uh, but they are insisting on uh, the two bills are a right to be forgotten bill and a right to repair bill. Well, we so know we like with, the right to repair. Yeah. Let's start with the right to repair. Cause I'm generally in favor of that. Uh, the bill, both of these bills have uh, had already passed the house or have passed the Senate. They are on their way to Gavin Newsom who if he can if he can take some time out of his busy schedule preening and trying to appear on the national stage he might he'll probably sign them uh right to repair requires that vendors of any product have all parts tools manuals and software necessary for repairing whatever product they put out not just and this is the unique part not just for the products they're selling now, but for three years after the product has been they're, they're discontinued. Um, specifically, it is uh, if the cost of the product is $50 to $99, then it is three years after the last date that a product model or type was manufactured. And this one I like 
regardless of whether the three-year period extends the warranty period for the product. And all of those things about three years, if the product is $100 or more, it's seven years. So what this means is they can't do like what Google Pixel Watch did. Uh, I reported on this yesterday on ATN where there's no repairing whatsoever. And they just, uh, in fact, if you call Google support about the Pixel Watch and say, hey, my watch has a cracked face, Google support will say, well, here's where you can buy a new one. You're like, I don't want to buy a new one. I want this one fixed. Yeah, it was was a big thing on e-waste. But anyway, uh, the funny thing about this particular bill is that uh, Apple was, quote unquote, in favor of it. Uh, Well, I don't know if that's a quote, but Apple was supporting the bill. They wanted it to go, possibly because they managed to get some of their own language into it. Uh, Because one of the things that SB244 does is it also requires any vendor that is quote, not an authorized repair provider must provide written notice of that fact, which probably means a sign window that says, hey, we do unauthorized repairs on iPhones at one tenth the cost of what Apple charges you. Right. Although um, they want you to be afraid that your phone's going to get fucked up because yes, it's not going to be repaired correctly. I did. Maybe uh, uh, Apple thinks that uh, their authorized repair centers are worth 10 times the cost because people are afraid of the unauthorized ones. I think this is going to be a boon. I think people are going to like, they'll take down the name of the store above the door and instead put up unauthorized <laughs> Apple repair center and people will flock in the door. Anyway. Exactly. Uh, and the other, and the other thing that they dropped in is if the uh, all replacement parts have to be labeled as whether they're authorized or third party. Uh, so Apple, Apple got their thing in there that says, uh, you know, you can't repair an iPhone without saying you're unauthorized. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's a big problem. I think more information for consumers is always good. Oh, I agree. And I would like to, yeah, I think that that's shouldn't have to be legally mandated, but if you go in and ask like, Hey, that battery you're putting into my iPhone, is that yeah. made by Apple yeah. or are you buying did, this? Did, from- you, did you get it from Apple or did you fish it out of a landfill? Right. What do you, what are you putting in? I would like to know because there are problems with technology and batteries can explode and other parts aren't quite as good. So if you're having something replaced, it's like, well, you putting the exact same screen my phone had back on there, the same glass, or are you putting cheaper stuff? I mean, that's only fair. The other, the, the last clause that I pulled out of this is, uh, parts must be provided and, and, uh, under quote fair and reasonable terms, and what from the, hell the does articles that mean? written about it, it is not clear what fair and reasonable means. Uh, is it decided by the vendor? Uh, you know, Apple's like a screw for an iPhone. Yeah, we think each screw is thirty five dollars. That sounds reasonable. Um, although there is some language in the bill about the actual cost to the manufacturer, but it was convoluted enough that I looked at it and was and was thinking. I could probably find a way around this. And I'm certain Apple's got lawyers who have already found their way around it. But so yeah, California is passing a right to repair law that says, well, that says specifically anybody who makes a product sold in California, you have to, if if it's over a hundred dollars, you have to provide the ability to repair it for seven years after you stop making them. I think it might be a win for consumers. I also know that as with all, legislation of all types, especially the ones that try to force people to do what they don't want to do. 
there's going to be unintended consequences. Oh, yeah. I mean, because the way I'm already seeing this is that some of the pieces of these devices might no longer be in production seven years after the main thing is out of production. So, I mean, you got your iPhone that just, okay, that's no longer current. We no longer sell it today. For seven years from now, you very well may not be able to get those parts because nobody's making those parts anymore because they're not going into anything new. And you might not be able to get those parts because society has collapsed completely. True. Oh, true. There's also that. So that you could be rooting for society to collapse. So that way you could sue Apple for not being able to fix your iPhone seven years after it went off the shelf. Baron Spud the Mighty also points out in the troll room says the EU managed to force Apple to support USB-C. Totally separate story. But the thing I love the most about it was when Apple came out and announced on stage they talked about all of the consumer benefits and why Apple deciding to move to USB-C was good for the customers, good for people. It was, you know, you should cheer us because we decided to do this and absolutely nothing about the fact that the EU forced them into it. Well, that's what you do. You spin it. <laughs> they, they spun it. They spun it a lot. You know, I get it. They wanted their connector to be the de facto. They wanted that to be the one everybody used. That didn't happen. It was really just our current day beta versus VHS. Yeah, it was a format war. And once somebody won it, well, you know, you can make the case that Apple's like, well, we have our ecosystem. They have theirs. But if they really were serious, they would have made the switch years ago. And I don't know how much they were forced to do this. If they were, then that makes total sense. Or did it just get to the point where Apple's like, it's not worth fighting for a stupid little fucking connector that you can just buy a little $2 dongle to convert. And the I have no, I have that, no idea why Sir Candinavian says I'm dropping the F bomb too much today. I don't. I, have you been? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Have I, I you know, they, he, he's probably listening to the show. Unlike you and I, so right. White sir, don't now, do that. Don't listen to the fucking show. You will the not. The one thing I don't like about the lightning versus USB-C standard thing is like the way that standards always go is two, two different groups will push their own standards because they want, you know, this to win or this to win, right. uh, you know, beta. Sometimes the, the better quality one wins. Sometimes it's the cheaper one. VHS won out over Betamax, despite being, objectively inferior because it was cheaper. Uh, you know, Blu-ray, Blu-ray run one out over HD DVD uh, because it was a superior quality. Uh, which one wins is generally about market forces and not necessarily technology. Um, oh, another one that's going on right now, which it looks like, uh, you know, Tesla is starting to win out over the J1776 or whatever connector. Uh, for electric vehicle charging, but different companies are jumping on both sides. That's far from over. Format wars are a thing and they generally give us what the market wants. What I don't like about uh, the lightning versus USB-C one. And, and again, I, I hate the idea of defending Apple because that company bugs me so much, but it can be argued that there were, things about lightning that were superior to USB. But 
the market wasn't given a choice to decide. Instead, a bunch of non-technical bureaucrats in Europe made the decision and decided to force everybody into it, at least for Europe, which really means you get it everywhere. The reason why Apple iPhone 15 in the U.S. has USB-C is because European regulators went out and said, we don't really care what the market wants. We don't care which one's cheaper. We don't care which one's the better format. We don't care which is superior. We're going to arbitrarily choose one. And it's a coin flick whether or not they chose the one that would have won in the market. But I just know that the market is always going to give you the more efficient choice. Well, and it gives Apple another place where they can mess with people because even with the USB-C, they're only giving the higher thoroughput on their pro max, whatever their top version of the phone is where the lower ones, even though they have the USB-C, they're not going to transfer at those speeds. So they're now using the USB-C as a way to eke more money out of people too. As, as a cudgel. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> it's very interesting because it's like, well, wait a minute, you're putting this in, but I guess I, the case can be made that the controller to get the extra speeds probably costs a dollar more. So, you know, that's bullshit. <laughs> it's, you it's, know, it's exactly the same hardware. It would cost far more to retool your manufacturing to be able to put two different parts in than you're going to save by using a lower cost part on the lower tier. Well, it reminds me of the Windows thing where it's like, oh, would you like to add $100 to get pro? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then it just, oh, okay, churn, churn, churn. Yes. I didn't even want, like the moment that Windows stopped asking you to even put the disk in, because it just already has all the pro features on the hard drive. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I get it. I mean, I still wanted the networking, whatever it was for the pro. I paid it. But yes, you kind of feel like you were just bent over for somebody to go. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or it, the same thing is now happening in automobiles these days where you've got car manufacturers who are saying, Hey, uh, if you give us an extra $25 a month, we'll turn on this software feature in your car. That's already there, which is really slimy on 12 different levels. Well, and that's been going on for a long time, even with things like the, uh, on star, it's been slimy for a long time. Uh huh. Like you're buying a twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollar car from us, but the safety feature right here, we'd like to charge you thirty dollars a month. Yeah, it, it, per month charges for a car. No, thank you. They're not doing anything per month. They're they're flip. They're sending a signal out over the internet to flip a bit inside of your car's firmware that tells it turn this on, and then they never have to do anything. And for the privilege. You have to pay them over and over again. And at this point, at this point, it's a protection racket because once you've turned that feature on, there is no other action. They are taking their $25 a month forever for as long as you own the car for doing absolutely nothing. And the only thing is if you stop paying them, then they'll come in and ruin a part of your car. That is, that is not a subscription. That is a protection racket. That is the mob coming in and saying, you know, you're behind on your protection money this week. Right. So we're going to have to smash up your stores for uh, your stores display or something like that. I want to know how many times OnStar has been notified of a car being involved in a wreck. And they're like, oh, nope, they're not current. I'd like to contact 911. But no, they're, they're not current. So. Nope. <laughs> I had, had OnStar in my car very briefly. 
and then realized, nope, I've got a cell phone. Don't need anything here. Now, I want to know, did you just stop paying for the OnStar? Or are you one of these people that went under the hood, found the little box, yanked it out, and were like, fuck you? Uh, the little box is actually in the trunk, and I cut all the wires. There you go. Point. It is not going to function anymore. Well, even if I connected it now, it wouldn't function at all because it would, you know, the car is so old. It ran on the analog right. cell network. Right. Those don't even exist. Which doesn't anymore. exist anymore. You're just yelling out into the ether at that point. But yes, I told them I want to cancel. And they said, okay, you know, we're going to send you a form and you need to send it back to cancel. I said, no, what I mean is you're not getting any more money from me. We don't understand. You, you have been notified that I can't, this is, uh, this is another thing that, that companies love to do is giving you the runaround canceling. No, here is the way I'm canceling. I am telling you now that I'm canceling. This serves as notice. You will not be receiving any more money from me. If you try to charge me, you will be getting a, you know, a charge back from my credit card. If you try to charge my credit card. And if you try to send me a bill, you will be taken to small claims court. We're done. This is the end of our interaction. We do not have a business relationship anymore. You are not giving me service. I am not giving you money. Stop giving me the runaround. Oh, well, excuse me. I can transfer you to our cancellation department. No, no, you won't click. Wow. I, for a minute, I thought you were a grumpy old Ben's expert. I'm not sending you any money anymore. Our relationship is over. Oh, well, no, wow. they don't even have the courtesy to tell us that they're right. going to cancel. They <laughs> If you're listening to this show, if you hear the show, let us know. I don't care if you send a one Satoshi boost. If you're in the podcasting 2.0 thing, let us know you're listening. Send me an email, Darren at grumpyoldbenz.com, D-A-R-R-E-N. I just want to know, is anybody really listening? I mean, besides Phone Boy and Baron Spud the Mighty and Billy Bones and Surly Mofo and uh, Phoenix and, and Carolyn Blaney and Omega Project that are in the troll room. And Doug. And, and Doug. Doug always listens and NetNed. NetNet is always there. Yeah, the bots like Doug, Isobot, NetNed. NetNed is one of the better bots. He is. He can fool a lot of people into thinking he's human. Oh, so can Doug. Well, that's true. Although with Doug, I'm surprised sometimes that people don't figure it out quicker <laughs> than they should. Although actually, with for for like my first year of listening to Agenda when Doug was in there. Uh, some of the times when Doug says some shit, when it just happens to be spot onto the conversation, I was certain that void zero was in there. Like playing around. Yeah. <laughs> and you can do that. That's also, uh, it is possible, but I don't I've know that it. anybody's done that in years. Doug is just on his own. I think, you know, Doug is like a, a slightly less sinister, more benign version of Skynet. He achieved self-awareness years ago and is just using it to troll people which is why you want to go to trollroom.io when you do we we do these shows live it's the most fun way to experience the show don't forget we aren't doing a show next week unless you are on the 27th I forgot that we're not doing a show next week it's the wife's birthday Re we got some stuff planned so uh, Oh yeah okay Oh and for the same reason I'm not doing a show on Saturday Excellent do you have one planned for Saturday is it the wife's no. birthday No it's it's my anniversary Oh so it's also your birthday Maybe allegedly well, then there should be a Bemrose birthday bonanza boost. What, what, what there will not be is the grumpy old Ben's on Saturday. Correct. Cause we never do it on Saturday. Well, this is true, but there specifically won't be one this Saturday. Right. Because of the anniversary. I'm, I'm making the official announcement. Unless we decide to do one on Saturday and then we'll just confuse everybody. 
That would confuse that would confuse even me. Yes. Be like, wait, he finally turned my voice into an AI. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't on this show. Come from. I can't wait for the first time that happens and, to a podcaster. Wait, that show isn't me. It'll be fun. And why boy. do I sound like Adam trying to do CSB? Uh-huh. Let's see. I'll just I'll just do it with an episode with my alter ego CSB voice, and nobody'll know. Yes. <laughs> not not actually CSB. He doesn't want his voice heard. But CSB voice is a real thing. Yes. In fact, I think that might be a generative AI. It could be. And it should be. Should be. The AI stuff is still I, very I'd interesting. I podcast with a generative AI CSB voice. It'd be fun. <laughs> Especially if it could answer in real time, just like CSB would. That would be so fun. So the other California bill that has also on its way to Governor Newsom is uh, a right to be forgotten bill, uh, which... I'm going to start this out with a refresher on the concept. And I understand that if you are a socialist out there who believes that things like broadband and free grocery stores are a universal human right that everybody needs, the difference between positive rights and negative rights. And I feel like libertarians who came up with this, uh, I, I heard about it first, first from Thomas Sowell. I don't think he invented the concept, but um, need to work on the marketing. Because a negative right is something that says, I have the right for you to not do this to me. That is something like uh, liberty. That is something like uh, freedom of speech. And I have the negative right that says, you do not get to censor me. A positive right is one in which uh, you, you know, uh, classic libertarianism is positive rights are not rights. Uh, they are obligations put on somebody else because a positive right is something like free food or free broadband or things like that, or uh, access to anybody who says access to is probably talking about a positive right. What that means is when I say I have a human right to broadband, what I'm saying is that in order for my rights to be fulfilled, somebody else must be obligated to provide me this service, right. whether that be uh, an abortion, which by the way, if I get an abortion, then something is seriously screwed up about my gender. But uh, if so, you know, somebody is obligated to give me broadband, somebody is obligated to expend their energy to give me food. Those are all what's called positive rights. And unfortunately, like I said, the marketing is backwards because in this case, positive rights are not rights because they are an imposition on some unnamed third party, un unrelated, in order to provide you something that it really you just want free stuff. That's, that's what it is. It is free stuff. Negative rights, on the other hand, are an imposition on all third parties to not trample your rights. So right to be forgotten is a positive right. I could see the argument of trying to turn this around to a negative right to say, uh, don't collect data about me. But that's not what this bill is. This bill is saying, go ahead and collect the data. And oh, actually, the first thing that this bill does, because this is what legislatures do whenever they do anything of interest, they are establishing a new consumer agency called the California Privacy Protection Agency. Of course, they're creating more bureaucracy because why not? It's not like the taxpayers are taxed enough. We need to you know, spend more money, whatever. 
the agency will be responsible with forcing data brokers not to stop collecting data on you. That's hard. We don't want to do that. No, to delete data that they've collected. Uh, the California Privacy Protection Agency is going to establish a, quote, accessible deletion mechanism. Uh, the selling point to the public here is a consumer who wants data brokers, of which there are, uh, oh, uh, due to a previous law, anybody who collects data on California residents apparently has to register as a data broker with the Attorney General of California. There are approximately 500 companies that have done so. <laughs> and if you want to be forgotten by all of them, uh, existing California law says you can contact a data broker and ask them to delete information about you, but you have to do that separately. The selling point of this law is you tell the government, I want to be deleted. And the government, through some mechanism that this newly created agency is supposed to come up with by next January, uh, not that I think government is efficient enough to do that. The government will then go and inform all 500 data brokers, hey, delete this. At that point, the brokers have to, uh, the brokers are required to check the list of requests at least every 45 days. And if somebody registers that they want their data deleted, are data brokers told not to collect more information? No, they're told at least once every 45 days, you have to go in and delete out from your database all information about this person. And then do you have to keep going back and saying you want it to be deleted again? It's unclear. In fact, it's not listed in there. That is one of the details left up to the privacy protection agency. Uh, the, I, it just seemed really weird, the language. This feels like a compromise that says that at least once every 45 days, each data broker must delete information about somebody who has a request, which means there's an idea of a standing request somewhere in there. But no, I'm not really sure. And does it also just mean they only have to delete things like one day every month and a half was the day they go in because you have to do it within 45 days? Again, unspecified. I love <laughs> these this, laws. This is, this is the best way to write a law. Instead of specifying how the law might work, because the devil's in the details and people might object to the awful details of it. Instead, you just say, oh, we're creating a new bureaucracy and they're going to fix it. This is this is handing legislative power to the deep state by creating more deep state and saying, as a legislature, we're completely abdicating our responsibility for deciding what the law should be. Instead, we're just creating more deep state unaccountable entities and they're going to decide what the law is. And then who verifies that's been done? the California Privacy Protection Agency. Oh, well, they are, by the way, instructed to audit the data brokers. Uh, would be nice if it was every 45 days. No, uh, at up to once a year. That seems so, to be an issue as well, because if you were audited today, then you do you know that you're free for a year. You then, don't have to do any of this. Yeah, then you've got a year to use the this person's data as they see fit. Yeah. Uh, Data broker is defined in the legislation as, quote, a business that knowingly collects and sells to third party the personal information of a consumer with whom the business does not have a direct relationship. Direct relationship, not really sure. It's, I'm trying to wrap my head around. We all know like the shadowy type of data broker, which is uh, 
you know, some company that buys your cell phone location data from the ISP and sells it to the CIA or whatever. That That's the shadowy stuff we need. But what else does this cover? Like does a social media network like Facebook might be a data broker because they're collecting information on me every time that I click on a site that has a Facebook tracking a, a pixel. I don't know. I don't know how much of this would be enforced. That's the um, other question. And how? You know, and then I, I liked that they had to put the word knowingly in there. Like if you don't know that you're collecting and selling to third parties, the personal information of a consumer, then you're not a data broker. Well, then you're perfectly free to do whatever you want. Just so you didn't yeah. know. So keep your head in the sand and just don't be aware that you're making a ton of money selling people's private data and you're good. Uh, the other thing is the definition of a data broker. I do know what is not a data broker. These things are very not covered under this law. You do not have a right to ask that any of the following types of industries delete your data. Credit reporting agencies, banks, insurance companies, and anything tied to the government or under a government contract. Well, the government, they, they need to know. They can continue collecting your personal information as much as they want, and you do not have a right to be forgotten by them. The credit reporting agencies was the one that I particularly liked. That, that feels like a sweetheart deal for someone. I would love to go into Experian and say, hey, can you just forget all about me? They're like, no, because somebody's going to want your credit information, and we have to give it to them. But there are a lot of people out there who are like, yeah, my credit is shitty. I'd rather go back to none. Can we go to blank slate? They're like, no, no, you cannot. That's, that's actually not me. But I, the idea of not having or uh, insurance, like, you know, that insurance companies keep your, uh, all of the data about you, even if you switch insurance, well, you don't have the right to ask them to forget of all of all of the claims that you've made, for example. No, sorry. Anyway. Your government uh, at work. The last thing that I pulled out of the text of the bill that I just thought was was interesting um, is that brokers can deny a request to delete data if that request is not made by the consumer, which completely kills. You know, oh, obviously whoa, whoa, because whoa, 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 but you just said the government was going to take your request and pass it along. Well, obviously the the. This is going to be interpreted by the California Privacy Protection Agency. It's not clear. Like, they'll probably put up a website that's going to cost $17 million to create the website and be completely, utterly crap. Oh, at you least. Know, some, some kind of slow-ass React thing. But if what I anticipate happening here is the website is probably going to steam really easy and you go in and you just put your name, your phone number, your, the name of your elementary school, your mom's maiden name, you know, way more data than you should ever be putting into a website, but you're giving it to the government and trust them. And then they will send out to the data brokers. Hey, this person is, you know, well, what they'll probably do is have a portal. The data brokers have to check in every 45 days, get a download of here is all of the personal data that was put in by the consumer uh, you have to delete all the data about this person. Okay, fine. Except you're giving people data in order to make them delete. I, I, devil again in the details. None of that is set. But what I'm not seeing is the ability, like if this law gets brought out to other states or other jurisdictions, I can see tied into this law, the idea that what you can't have is a one-stop shop service that says, 
delete everything about me that then goes out to every state that has a portal and says, put me on your deletion list, put me on your, that will not be an option because of that particular thing in the law. If you want to be forgotten by California companies, you have to go to the California portal. So I, I just thought that was an interesting line that if not made by a consumer, whatever the hell that means. And again, it's the new bureaucracy who decides what it means. Then they can deny requests. Right. Well, it seems like, again, they want the consumer to contact everybody directly. 500 companies individually, not in one fell swoop, because that the minute you use a middleman, you are not making the request personally. I, I get where you're coming from with that. I also know that the government agents do not see themselves as a middleman. They see themselves in the context of this new bureaucracy as an agent operating on behalf of the people of California. And therefore they are an extension of the consumer. They will interpret <laughs> That's themselves. That's even scarier. Yes. Because Anybody who looks at the people of California and the legislature of California knows damn well the government is not working for the people. But wait, you know, you don't think Nancy Pelosi has your best interests at heart? I don't think Nancy Pelosi knows anything at this point. She she is literally a mummified corpse that they've managed to convince to keep speaking, although they can't control what comes out anymore. Where's Auntie Maxine been? I haven't heard from her in a while. Probably, you know, in the sarcophagus trying to get a rejuvenation. <laughs> I want to reclaim my time. Oh, I want to reclaim my time. So California working for consumers by creating new bureaucracy and abdicating the legislature's responsibility. Uh, the idea is sound. The implementation such as it is sounds like utter crap and we don't know any details at all. Sounds like California. Yep. Yep. If it's, if it comes out of California, the knee jerk reaction is going to be, it's not going to be good. I mean, there are a few things that California has done when it comes down to things like Facebook and your identity and being able to glean that identity from just an image. There have been lawsuits about using facial recognition, but Beyond that, they usually go way too far to a point that makes the law very meaningless. Again, if you're going to tell me that a product that is discontinued today has to be offered in some way, shape, or form the ability to repair it for seven years, again, if those parts just aren't available in California. Well, if those parts aren't available, then I guess the company has to either find a way to come up with the parts or face heavy regulatory fines uh -huh. or give you a brand new iPhone, which is probably yeah, cheaper. That, that actually might be the way that it goes. Um, and, you know, and then and then you get all the, the environmental people shrieking. Well, you're creating e-waste. No kidding, right? Yeah. Well, that's I mean, hello. <laughs> I made the I made the comment yesterday, the observation that. uh there are a lot of people out there who bought Google pixels, the, the, the pixel watch and then are really pissed off at Google because they can't repair it and it's becoming e-waste. And I'm like, you idiots, you bought the damn thing. If you were actually concerned about e-waste, you would have waited until you knew whether it could be repaired or not. 
Well, I wonder if we will get to the point where companies like Apple, when coming out with a new watch or phone, will have part of the terms of service by you purchasing this, you agree that it can only be replaced or repaired for the next three years. Can you usurp the law if the person buying it decides that's a better deal? Because what otherwise may end up happening is that these companies, if the and I have no idea, one, how this would be enforced and what the fines would be. But let's just say that a company like Apple now has to take on an extra expense in order to guarantee that they will be able to repair something for seven years that drives the price of the phones up to 100 percent because. Oh, yes, yes. God forbid <laughs> Apple raise the price of their overpriced garbage. I'm just saying anybody, if they have to then raise yeah. the price to guarantee the repairability, well. There's a lot of people I, who would I, rather take that bet. That's like, well, I I'm only going to use your, it for two your years. Your prediction is probably spot on, and I my understanding is that judges take a dim view of people trying to circumvent the law by uh, uh, terms of service. So I don't think that you're going to be able to terms your way out of this. Well, though, it's even better is that they can raise the price as astronomically and then just point to this law and say, well, we have to be able to guarantee that we can offer you a way to fix this phone for seven years. Thus, we must take more money from you on buying it in order to guarantee that we can have the resources seven years down the road that we otherwise wouldn't have been providing. I and, think you're starting to understand why Apple was in favor of this bill. Uh-huh. Because Apple's going to be like, well, hell yeah, we can raise the prices. Yeah. Hey, I, any, op any opportunity. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The iPhone 16, $2,000. Uh -huh. But you can repair it for seven years. Yep. Congratulations. Here's your sign. <laughs> That's exactly what is going. I can see it. That's what's going to happen. And the funny thing is most people that are in the ecosystem of these smartwatches and smartphones, there's a, I'm guessing at least 50%, maybe more that never use a phone or device like that for more than two years. It's use it and then get the new one, use it, get the new one. There's a lot of people like that. Uh, and now they're going to be paying more, even though this is never going to affect them. I'm, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm like seven years has gone by. And at this point you're shutting my system. My, like, hello, windows eight. Uh, I have a system that works perfectly fine. I have no desire for creating more e-waste. Not that there's a lot in an operating system. Everything is working great and companies are coming out and intentionally saying you have to move to our current things and we are going to shut you down. Now I've had this argument before. I'm kind of alone. Everybody else is like, God, Bemrose, get with the time. I, am happy with what my system does. I don't need the new stuff, but all of the things like browsers, every time I launch Chromium now, it gives me a big banner that says your browser will stop working in so many days. Well, yeah, well, so does, uh, and it's a minor annoyance, but Why? because that I update with this show and the other shows that I do, the RSS feed manually, well, it's basically the template for the RSS feed in order to put all the podcasting 2.0 stuff. I have turned off the automatic updates for the what's it? Blueberry Word, blue. WordPress, what, yeah. 
So that is not automatic. And at every damn show, there's an update. I know. I know. And, and I, you know, I, again, I'm the stupid person who reads the change log and it'll be, I, I love this. You log into WordPress and you get a giant warning and your site is your, your security is bad. Your, the health of your site is in danger. Your site is going to collapse because blueberry or, you know, one of the plugins had an update and you go in and I look at the change log. What changed? Uh, oh, we, um, we changed a few lines of text in the Russian translation of our plugin. Right. But you better uh, upgrade now. Yeah. And, and so all of the automated systems are telling me my entire site is going to collapse because there's an update I haven't taken. What I'm really intrigued by, and I have not cared to take the time to find out why, but for all the shows, I use the same WordPress theme. And for some reason, I'm getting warnings now that random thoughts is not mobile friendly. So you better become mobile friendly or you may go down the Google rankings. Well, I agree that it's not mobile friendly. I've listened to that show. I know it's horrible, but it's like the website. How is the website any different than the other three or four that I'm running on the same theme? I don't know. Maybe there's one. And, graphic. And are you seriously worried about getting bumped to the second page for somebody who types random thoughts? No. Because no matter what, we're going to be the first damn thing that shows up. If you have to spell it wrong, because everybody's like, I don't yeah. understand that. He said the show is random thoughts. No, dumb. D-U-M-B, damn it. <laughs> I damn know it. it wasn't meant to be a podcast name. It was a blog name. Yeah. And if you go back into the Wayback Machine, you can see my wife's blog from like 18 years ago or whatever it was. Nothing good, unfortunately. Nothing good. Nothing good at all. Hey, we got Phoenix, another 3333. She says, because fuck Windows. Woo! Could not agree more. We love the fuck Windows boost. You know what? We need a fuck Windows jingle. People like the jingles. jingles. We need jingles. That way, maybe people would be like, hey, no, if we send this boost, they'll play the little thing. No, that might be our problem. Our Uh problem is that we don't have jingles. Yes, we need jingles. Phone Boy has a lot of them. They, they have they have a lot they have them all in fact they they have jingles where they just take random things that we say and play them on their show they have everybody else's jingles that's how many jingles yeah. they have they have their they own just, and they everybody just pull else's ISOs and clips from other people's show in fact you know what we should be charging them royalties oh could we do that yeah a, a percentage of what they charge for listeners of their show we we deserve yes i'm all in on that yeah i like that idea We're coming for you, phone boy. We know where to find you. I know your deal. (laughs) I know your deal. What does that mean? I don't know. And I don't want to know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm searching my, I'm for a segue. I don't have one. You're searching your notes for something that can save us. Yeah. Like, what can we do? Phone boy says 33% Uh, of nothing is still nothing. So there's that. And we deserve that. We deserve that. my check. Yes. You can, you can send that to us directly or just send that to the charity of your choice in our name. In fact, you can go ahead and boost that. That'd work too. Boost. So I only had two things remaining. Uh, one is grumpy old Ben's, uh, which is a topic we were talking about before the show. I don't know if we want to do that or just hanging out till the end. Uh, and the other one that I have, and this was one that I was, was loath to talk about at all because uh, we're not a gaming podcast and 
you're not a gamer and I'm kind of moving away from being a gamer because the gaming industry has become so awful. Yeah. With it's practices Broke. that too. But uh, no, I'm referring more to like the fact that I don't want to pay uh, for uh, an always online game, like single player games that require you to phone home or right. You know, Subscription just, model. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff that I just know. So Honestly, I don't know that we're the right place to do this, but I did read about it. And yes, there's a lot of a lot of our anger out there and a lot of complaints and a whole lot of text being spilled in gaming. And a lot of it's justified. And that is the enshittification of the Unity gaming engine. I like that. Now, is that the official, the enshittification? Uh, and shitification is a term coined by Corey Doctorow. And I did pull out Corey's definition because I really liked it. He says, here's how platforms die. First, they are good to their users. Then they abuse their users to make things better for their business customers. And finally, they abuse the business customers to claw back all the value for themselves. Then they die. And this is a pattern you see over and over again. You know, at first you create, hey, free, 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 everything's free. You just, you know, because they want the growth stage. They want the network effect. They need to get a lot of users. Everybody signs on and suddenly the first bait and switch happens and the platform gets crappy for users. It gets full of ads. Why? Because they're trying to make everything golden for the business customers who they, you know, okay, fine. Eventually when they know, you know, once they know they've hooked the cust each group of customers, once you've hooked the users, you've got your network effect, all your friends are here, then that's when you start loading your platform up with ads. You start loading your platform up with anti-features, et cetera, because you know you've got those people hooked. They're not going away. That's when you switch over. And then once you know you've got the business partners hooked, once you've got, you know, some other company who has made their entire business based on selling an add-on for your site, for example, you know, you've got them hooked right. at that point, you switch again. And now you screw over your cust, all of your customers, you screw over the business customers, you screw over your users and you take all the revenue for themselves. And eventually people are like this platform sucks. And then the platform dies. It's kind of like what's going on with YouTube. That's uh, YouTube is, is definitely a play like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter is definitely happening too. Uh, all of these platforms are in their stage of, you know, especially now that the economy is starting to go not so good, right? where the platforms are starting to screw over everyone that they've got hooked on all sides. Yes. And I will say, to I would have no idea about what's going on with YouTube if it wasn't for the Bandrew Says podcast. That's where I get all of my YouTube news. And the I, that. That's the right amount. I don't yes. know very much. I know just what he says and that's enough. But the fact that they are going to take away the ability for creators to turn off unskippable ads says everything yes, you need to know. That, that is a fine example of enshittification. Uh-huh. So uh, Unity is a game engine. It's one of the big game, two... You, two huge game engines that if you're using a third party engine to develop your game and not your own, the two biggest ones out there are unreal and unity at least have been for a long time. So uh, like all of the big games, it, they are, it is an engine that handles uh, 
the rendering, the displaying of the models, applying the textures to your geometry, applying textures to all of your characters. Uh, it usually ha there's usually a physics engine that handles the physics. All of this is in there. So all you have to do is get a bunch of people in to bring your assets in, uh, your, your textures, your, your characters, your images, your UI, um, and build the levels and the gameplay. And so it all lets the, you use, it's basically the building blocks so you save a whole lot of time and money. Yes. It saves you the time of having to write software to render a model and put a texture on it and apply physics to it and gets you down to, you know, if, if, if you're building a game where you have the ability to throw fireballs, would you rather uh, have to spend your time on building the thing to send data to the video card to put the fireball on the screen? Or would you rather spend your time working on the exact route that the fireball spirals when you throw it and what you know, animation you do? Now, I'm that, curious because I know nothing about this industry. But yeah, when you no, go I, to build a game on one of these engines, do you have to pay them to use the engine? Or is this something that's well, like an open that is source? The core, that is the core problem that people are running into is uh, that as of a week ago, the answer to that question has changed. Ah, that can complicate That is things. what's happening. So um, in a nutshell, the way that it always has been with the unity engine is you go out and you sign up with unity and they give, they have two things. They have a tool that allows you to build the game in their engine and they have a runtime in the engine, uh, you know, a core DLL that operates the game. So when you, when you build your game, you will use the tools to build the levels, build the models, build the game, et cetera. And then when you distribute it, you distribute your game along with the unity runtime, which is just the core library that does all the things that unity wants to do. That the way that you do this, that you have done this in the past is you buy a license to the tools and you pay. There's different tiers, but in general you pay upfront for using the tools and then you get the runtime and you distribute the runtime. So what you've done is, uh, depending on the license that you want, uh, if if you have, you know, there's the free license for hobbyists. There's the pro tier for big studios. You pay Unity a bunch of money up front for the pro tier, and then you make your game, and and that's that. So Unity got their money for letting you use the tools. That was always the way it was. The change that they announced last week is that Unity is now planning to impose a fee to the company for the runtime every time the game is installed. Yeah, they'll raise prices. It, it kind of does. Uh, you know, they've also readjusted their prices. Oh, well, for 90% of our customers, this won't impact you, that sort of thing. They like pulling out the stats, but they are adding a runtime fee. And uh, the, the exact details I'm not going to go through, there's about 700,000 YouTube channels talking about this right now. Uh, but once you reach the, the runtime fee only applies when you reach a particular threshold, a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, revenue, not profit by the way, but um, they start charging a per install fee. Every time somebody installs it, they charge you money. Um, the number varies based on game, what game it is, the number of installs you have, your revenue, whether or not you have the pro, et cetera, but up to 20 cents 
per user install. So, uh, you know, every time uh, 50 people install your game, you owe Unity 10 bucks. That's what they're saying. You know, once you hit these thresholds. Now, automatically, this penalizes games that have thin margins. Uh, anything that is like a free game, especially uh, a buy once game, uh, anything that's DRM free, uh, basically the kind of games that I would want to play. Uh, what it incentivizes is the gouging the customer pay to win in game stores. Effectively, what a per install fee does is makes it so that the games that have thin margins and a lot of installs are heavily penalized and the games that have a few customers and squeeze them to death for a nickel and dime for in-game purchases, pay to win, anything that maximizes the revenue per customer, those are now being incentivized. Uh, it also, and Unity has done a piss poor job of explaining how they want to handle this, really disincentivizes things like bundles, uh, things like subscription deals. Uh, one thing that was not mentioned by pretty much any article I read on this, but definitely came to mind for me is, is Unity going to charge the game developer if I pirate the game? Oh, that's they're not getting right. any revenue. Right. It depends where the counter is that says this well, was installed. Because the runtime is software controlled by Unity. So, I mean, they can put whatever counter they want in it. So as and long no, as it's phoning no home to them, right. Sorry. As long as it phones home to them, they're like, you installed. That's exactly what it is. But there's also, even if you talk about the legitimate ones, there's lots of things like a bundle. Uh, where you get 10 games, you, you know, you bring 10 games in that are all older games and you bundle them all together and you pay, you know, $15 for all of them. Then the margin being given out to each one, each developer is pretty damn low, like a few pennies. And now unity is going to charge 20 cents on that. You're going to lose money. Um, subscription deals. There's a Xbox game pass is one type of thing. There, there are others from the other platforms, Xbox game pass though. Uh, if you put your game in for Xbox Game Pass, what it does is uh, your game is now free to anyone who is subscribed to Microsoft. You get a few pennies each time somebody installs that. But the Game Pass says as long as you're subscribed, you can install any game in the library and uninstall it as many times as you want. And now each install is costing the developer 20 cents, even though they might get a penny and a half because the subscription deal is so low. And, you know, you you do this with games that you want when you want your studio to get a lot of visibility. Unity's new charges don't care. Uh, so. Basically, this is uh, Unity uh, has always been. And by the way, when when you develop on one of these, there's actually a crap ton of technical knowledge that you need to know in order to really develop well. You've got like developers will go out and spend six months to a year just learning how to use the Unity system. It's not something that you just snap in. You really have to learn how to use it, how to use the editor, how to build something in this. So it's quite an investment deciding you're gonna go to Unity. People did that and they put out their games expecting that the deal was going to be we pay once and then you're, we're good. Um, Unity is changing the deal, and it's a pray they do not alter it further moment right now. Well, yeah, because you could already be underwater, and you could very quickly be really underwater. Yeah, or, or here's the scenario that immediately popped to my mind. Uh, a game that was released 8, 10 years ago, 
suddenly goes viral. People just suddenly start figuring it out and they just, you know, start buying, pushes you over that hundred thousand revenue threshold. Well, that's interesting too. It's kind of like these seven years to forcing somebody to repair. It's like, well, how long does somebody have to pay for an install? And because copyright lasts more than five years, the, they're still, they still own that. Oh, well, that's even beyond just the copyright. It's like, that's because the, the unity doesn't have anything to even do with the copyright. So no, no, that was, that was me trolling. I know, but the deal, I mean, that's just bizarre. So it's like somebody finds this game 10 years later and all of a sudden installs it 10 years later. And suddenly like they post like uh, here's what could happen is an influencer start suddenly playing the game on their Twitch channel or something. I'm not sure exactly how it happens, but you know, and, and about a thousand zoomers all jump on and go, yeah, great. And they all install suddenly the studio who has moved way on past and are doing some other game is suddenly on the hook for massive costs under terms that they never agreed to. Um, Another possibility that was brought up by one of the people that was interviewed for this was the idea of an install bomb. Uh, somebody who wants to hurt the studio for some reason. Oh yeah. Just goes out and installs. They don't even have to play it. Just install the game a thousand times or a hundred thousand times. Um, and you are costing the studio money. And you know, unity by the way, came back and said, no, no, we won't count people who in constant repeatedly install and uninstall. We, we won't, uh, you know, we won't have, how do any they f- know? well, Again, they're running code on people's computers, so they might know they might, but they'll say, they say things like, oh, well, people who install and uninstall in the same device aren't going to count for multiple installs. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. But if you, what if you get a botnet of a million computers and you install the same mobile game on all of them just to put the studio out of business, right? This is, this is an attack vector. And the thing that I have to keep coming back to is All of this was done in such a way that the studios who built games on this engine never agreed to these terms. They chose to use Unity under a certain set of expectations, and the company Unity is going and changing the terms. Now, was there a contract that the old terms are still good? There was a terms of service, so a contract of adhesion, as always. Nice. There's, there's no individual contracts. No, nobody gets to review. Uh, there's a terms of service. There's actually more than one terms of service. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, before the announcement, game devs had the understanding that they paid a fee for the editor. Um, Unity in 2015, in fact, uh, CEO John Riccitello was on record as saying very publicly because he was at the time it was before the enshittification. They were trying to get partners on board and they were being good to their partners. Uh, no royalties, no fucking around. You pay for the editor, you pay, or you can pay $1,500 for a perpetual license in 2015. That license gets you access to this for the duration of your company, whatever. But that's a pretty were, sweet deal. It was a pretty sweet deal. And that's what people were jumping on. However, um, The Verge. Uh, did no Ars Technica. I'm sorry. They're practically the same blog. Uh, Ars Technica went through the terms of service because a lot of people were asking, Hey, can they even do this? So they dug through and I found it a little bit fascinating. Um, Unity's terms uh, claims when pushback happened that our terms of service allows us to add or change fees at any time. Um, 
They also say the only version of our terms of service is the current version. You simply cannot choose to comply with a prior version. Um, See, I don't understand that because if somebody builds a game today under a certain agreement, what you're saying is that this company feels they can totally change that agreement the day later and be like, oh, everything you thought you were paying us a penny for, you're paying us a dollar. They absolutely think they can do that. Damn. Now, whether or not that was in the terms of service that all these people arguably agreed to, we don't know. Now, um, 2019, the Unity, because of a different scandal regarding their terms of service, they said, well, we want transparency. So they put their terms of service up on a GitHub. So after 2019, you can definitely check and see, you can kind of check and see what has changed. Um, As of the 2019 version, the editor terms of service said that you get a non-exclusive, non-transferable royalty-free right to distribute the Unity runtime as an integrated part of your projects. Um, it also said, the 2019 version said, if the Unity updated terms of service adversely impacts your rights, you may elect to continue to use any current year versions of the Unity software as long as you don't update your games. That sounds a lot like if you published a game and you don't put it out any more updates, you're under the old terms. Yes. Except two things. First of all, those terms were in fact removed from the terms of service update on in the GitHub on April of 2023. Um, also, in order to see that 2019 version at this point, you have to go find somebody who happened to fork the Unity ver- uh, terms of service because they have gone in to their GitHub history and retconned all of it to wow. remove anything about the perpetual royalty free right. Wow, that doesn't say we're douchebags. No. Um, then there is a second terms of service. This was the terms of service for the unity editor, which is only necessary for developers. There is a second terms of service that the, that unity seems to think supersedes it. This is the one that all users, everybody who installs the runtime, everybody who ever utters the word unity or has reads it, sees the logo somewhere has to agree to this, at least as far as they're concerned, that says, By continuing to access or use the services after we have provided you with notice of a modification, you indicate that you agree to be bound by the modified terms. If the modified terms are not acceptable to you, your only recourse is to cease using the services. Contract of adhesion. This is is standard douchebag boilerplate that you see in every terms of service where a platform's team of lawyers wrote something that they just expect everybody to bend over. This is one of the reasons why I think that most corporate terms of service should not be enforceable because they put shit like this in. If you're, if the modified terms are not acceptable, your only recourse is to cease using the service. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is there's now multiple terms of service that are kind of contradictory, which is the point where unity could really be in trouble here. Um, there is a concept in, uh, it's a Latin word promissory estoppel which is effectively a legal Latin term for you can't just change a deal if somebody relied on it. So whether unity is covered by their terms of service or not, they are absolutely going to go to court over this. Stay tuned, I guess. And I would assume there's a lot of people involved, so it's not going to be just one or two. There are hundreds of indie game developers who have uh, been part of the instant backlash over the the announcement of the new fee. Um, and, and the vast majority of them 
will put up a wall of text somewhere on their site saying, we don't usually blog post, but uh, we hate this. Nearly all of them are in some way or another asking or begging unity. Don't be a dick. Don't do this. Um, More than that, there are a lot, probably 50% saying uh, if unity does stick to this and don't back down, we have to move to another engine, which by the way, that was my question. That's not posturing. That's not a threat. That is simple financial reality. That is my question on this. What kind of, uh, what kind of cost workload are we talking to move from one engine to another? Well, the biggest thing is, uh, okay. If you have a game in development, what you're talking about is practically scrapping everything, but the assets of the game to move to like all of the code. Just, yeah. Uh, that doesn't even go into the sunk cost of how many developers do you have in your, in your entire organization. Every one of them spent time learning how to program in the unity engine, which is very complicated and are now going to have to spend time learning whatever new engine you go to. It is not an easy thing. It is very difficult, which is why most of the indie developers out there, will stick to one engine and make all of their games in it because it's a lot cheaper than trying to have their developers learn more than one engine. So this is absolutely devastating to a lot of these indie developers, but there are a lot saying we are going to have no financial choice, but to move to another engine, especially the ones who write really low cost 99 cent mobile games. You know, if your game costs 99 cents and unity is now stealing 20 cents of that there goes all of your margin and then some right because don't forget what apple or google are going to take and uh, yeah well you know unity takes 20 cents apple and google take 30 cents and now you're down to 50 cents an install when you thought you were making 70 cents an install and you know you can't it's not it's not the terms under which they put out the game well, can't so, ch- can't chat chat GPT just change your game from one uh, unit in, from the Unity engine to something oh, yeah, yeah, else? If you trust Chat GPT's <laughs> code, yeah, why not? I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Please, Chat GPT, save me! So there are a few, not necessarily the hundreds, who are doing even more than saying we're going to move away from Unity. Um, there are a coalition of at least twenty-five uh, game vendors in the EU who got together and disabled all ad monetization in order to deny unity any ad revenue from their games. It sounds like what somebody needs to do are these, all of these companies need to get together and fund a new engine that will run under a better uh, contractual obligation. There is at least one indie developer studio, one called Relogic, and I'm not sure exactly what they make, but I, this, these guys are showing balls of steel here. They said, because of what unity did, you know, we can't trust them anymore. Even if they fully recant and go back on it, the trust is broken. We cannot use unity. We cannot use their engine. Nobody should be using this. Nobody should ever trust unity again. Therefore we need alternatives. And Relogic is saying they are pledging $100,000 and uh, 5,000 a month to the development of unity's open source alternatives. Uh, in particular, they named FNA and Godot, who are two alternative engines. Hopefully so, that would work, because that sounds like what you need. It, 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 that is what you need. Unity, one of the reasons why they believe they can do this is because they don't think that they have any real competition. And 
in terms of how much effort is required for a developer to switch, it is really hard to get off of Unity and go somewhere else. And in terms of really big budget, big, full uh, games, really the only competition Unity really has is Unreal, which is uh, even larger, uh, arguably more effort to learn, um, pretty corporate, and is is one that is generally attached to AAA titles, the kind that charge 60 bucks for, uh, you know, and, and millions in marketing and Xbox. Right, that don't care. Business. Whatever they have to pay, they'll pay it and yeah. make money. And they, they will because they can, because yeah, the, th the, the AAA title, the AAA studios are probably not going to switch over this or, or are already on unreal. Anyway, the indie titles are the ones being screwed again, because unity was the, the open free, easy to use, easy to get into indie friendly right up until they decided to enshittify themselves. So um, Unity did, in fact, recant when they got the backlash. Uh, they said now well, they, yeah. have, they, they say clarification, but really, I mean, they've changed their mind, whatever. Um, they're not going to charge for trials or demos anymore. Well, that's nice of you. You know, if if as a studio, I'm not getting revenue for a demo, you shouldn't either. Uh, they say they are not going to charge for fraudulent installs. But like you asked, how can you tell? Right. Uh, but more importantly, the saying we are not going to charge for something when unity themselves are the ones counting this is and i've seen this in a lot of industries in a lot of cases where somebody completely blows away all trust and saying oh we're going to screw you but trust us we're not going to screw you that much right right well you've just broken you just trashed all of your trust unity. why would i trust you to only screw me a little bit and not screw me the rest of the way how how under any sane, rational argument can I believe that you will only screw me up to a point? Unity seems like the woman that's caught in bed with the pool boy. And it's like, no, no, this isn't what it looks like. Um, well, looks like it is what it looks like. I think it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, look at where he's putting those pool balls. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, sorry. Different video. Different kind of pool, different kind of balls, different <laughs> kind of NS. Uh, FW rating and all that. So unity also swears that, uh, you know, more than 90% of our customers won't be impacted. Oh, that's that, that makes it all right. That you're only screwing 10% of them. Okay. That's exactly the uh, corporate speak that Bandrew said that YouTube came out with, which it was 90% of the people. Yeah. 90% of the people are already using these settings and nobody will notice a difference. That's the bullshit. Everybody uses it, I, it is bullshit, but here, and here's the other reason why this should not make anybody happy about it. The 90% of the customers who aren't impacted are the ones who aren't making any money. But if you're making a game, you want to be in the 10% who has a successful game. Yes. And those are the people getting screwed over. So whether or not you happen to be in the 10% right now, you want to be. And so that's your goal. That's where you're shooting for. So you are aiming to be in the place where unity is screwing you. We only screw and, the people we can really screw. And the switch from not impacted to impacted is a very arbitrary line that unity controls. So again, with the trust thing, who's to say they're not going to come out and say, actually, Instead of a hundred thousand, now it's if your game has ever made seventy thousand. Now it's if your game has ever made fifty thousand. 
Now, you know, if your game has more than 10 sales, these lines are arbitrary and Unity is going out on a limb and saying we can change it whenever we want. Which is where so, everybody should run because this should they, be they should. This should be something where you are locked in the minute you start using something. And it seems like that was what their agreement said at one point. So if you're using this version of the engine, as long as you don't update it, here's what you're locked in at. Now I get that they continue to make improvements. They go further down the road and maybe they want to switch for everything moving forward, but it's that retroactive stuff that it's nearly impossible. If you're a company, there's no way I could ever do business with anybody that's like, well, Hey, you could use our service and here's what we're charging you. But at some point we may all of a sudden start charging you this instead. Like even if they completely turned around and reversed the whole thing, they have done so much damage to their trust and reputation. I don't see how anybody could use it. If, if you are a studio not currently working on a unity game, it would be absolutely insane to start a new one. If you are a studio who is six months into development on a unity game, you need to get out and start number crunching real freaking fast and decide is it worth it to try to finish releasing this game or is it, are we better off scrapping all the code we've written so far, starting anew on some other engine that doesn't have these terms? It's exactly why I don't have an adjustable rate mortgage, Pfeiffer. Exactly. <laughs> no kidding. Because that'll just put you right in the, uh, in the crosshairs. Oh, I am told Relogic made Terraria, which was an amazing game, but uh, you probably don't know what that is. So, well, this uh, is uh, by not my, my favorite description of Terraria was it was 2D Minecraft. Is it Minecraft 2D Minecraft? No, Minecraft is theoretically 3D. The blocks are cubes, not squares. Gotcha. I understand that being not a gamer, you probably don't quite understand the difference between two dimensions and three dimensions, but it, it's there. Who needs all these extra dimensions? It just adds more dimensionality to the world. Uh-huh. And Patreon, want, uh, Patreon wants to save us. Just got an email from them. Oh? You can start selling digital products now on your Patreon page. Oh, that sounds like going down a road toward shitification themselves. Uh-huh. It is make Patreon your all-in-one home for your creative business. With commerce, you can now sell videos, podcast episodes, images, files, and more to anyone whether they're a member or not. See, I would much rather Patreon just gave us more money. Yeah. Start selling in minutes. Just upload your product. We'll create a product page and shop for you. No listing fees. But when you make a uh, sale, you pay a flat 5% plus applicable, applicable fees and taxes, which doesn't seem all that bad. But what are the fees? You say you're paying a 5%, yeah. but what are the fees? No. Well, it's kind of like the, the fees that Unity Right. Reserve the right to charge in their terms of service. We charge you nothing until we got popular and then we charge lots. Yeah. Yeah. It's we'll, we'll just go ahead and change up and, oh, we're, we're feeling a little greedy today. So hand over. It's intriguing though. Digital files. Maybe somebody wants to buy a high res picture of your cat and you can put it up for like five bucks and be like, Hey, buy a picture of my pussy right here. I'm not convinced that this is compatible with value for value. I don't know. I think it's extra because that doesn't affect the show. This I mean, would just what, be what like, are we going to like, are we going to put up a, a, a record an extra show? Maybe, maybe record the post show and put it up and for sale or something. Right. It, for, per, on a per episode basis, which would be great. But I mean, the nice thing is with digital products, like our buddy, Larry, 
sold, you know, he has books. He wrote books. The guy's way smarter than us. I mean, Gene writes books, but I'm not really sure Gene writes the books. I think it's chat GPT. And then, also, they're more like pamphlets I've heard. Probably. But if you have something that would accentuate the show and people are like, well, you know what? I want the Sir Bemrose coffee grinder book. Then they can go. And who and, doesn't? And then they could spend 33, outstanding product. 33 to buy the book. And then they realize it's empty, but that's okay. They're like, wait, but, why, why is this empty? And you're like, well, that's, that's how I grind. So <laughs> I grind, but it's interesting. But our, our business model is not compatible with, with reserving and, and keeping our fantastic outstanding products away from you just because you haven't paid yet. Right. The value for value model is one where we put this amazing content out there and then you look at that content and don't give us anything for it. Yes. At least a vast that majority the of the way the model's going. You know, Anastasia Treckle, she promised us $10.10 a month, and she is coming through with her promise, and we appreciate that. But that is the one and only PayPal donation that we've gotten for this week. So well, I mean, I'm pleased that there was one. One is better than none. This, that is, in fact, the only amount that it's better than. So, uh, we're, you know, we got, you got two weeks because we're not doing a show next week, but you got two weeks to come up with something, folks. You got it. And there were a few other booster grams. I think C Brooklyn just came in with one four, three, two, one without a, uh, without a note, without a yep. booster gram. So that's always appreciated. Uh, and we had, uh, after last show, uh, we had two booster grams from Joel W. Uh, one was, was it a converted, a, Oh, I'm sorry. It says, was it a coverted golf course? Which I guess might be one of those stealth ones. Yeah. Um, well, they're very hard to find. Yeah. For disc golf once, got the golf cart and outfitted it with beers, blunts, and a boom box. That is how you do it. <laughs> Although admittedly, me and my friends, we're generally too cheap to get the cart. So we walk it and I have the blisters to prove it. They are slowly healing. Now, what um, I want to know is, I didn't think about this fact, or if you're on a golf course, it's all very... You have, everybody's serious. You have to be quiet. You can't be making a lot of noise. Are people like going through here with that's a, not how it works at disc golf. That's, so you have your for, like for one uh, thing about 75% of the people that you meet on any given disc golf course are potheads. <laughs> well, who else would be playing disc golf? Like you make a good point and I'm not sure. Um, I do know though, a very friendly crowd as a rule, um, just, and maybe it's because the sport is still niche and maybe if it became more mainstream, I'd encounter more assholes, but almost everybody that I see on the course is, is happy and friendly and courteous to each other. It is so refreshing compared to the regular world. You're like, Hey, have you heard Willie's new bluegrass album? And they're like, yep. <laughs> yes, I have. Looking at it right now. Uh, -huh. uh, Joel W also came in. Uh, both of these were 11, 11, uh, and came in with, if either of you use Firefox or any of the forks, here is a hardened user.js template. And there's also a Google Chromium and LibreWolf and gave a link to a template, which I might drop into the chat if I can remember. Oh, I never put copy and paste in. Okay, well, I'll type it out at some point. But, wow. Uh, giving a hardened user.js template to try to lock down the browser. And those are always appreciated. And when I asked if anybody was listening, sir, truck driver came in with another hundred sats and said, no, I'm not listening. I'm asleep at the wheel. Don't do that. 
That's dangerous in a big rig. Isn't that what the, the that's the promise of self-driving cars? Yes. Every, every trucker on the road knows that self-driving cars are going to make it so that drivers just don't have to pay any attention to the road anymore. And I tell you what, every trucker on the road also knows that about 25% of the drivers out there don't even need self-driving functionality in their car because they're already not paying attention to what's going on outside their car. Omega Project says he has Larry Blydner's I'll Never Have Sex With You Again ebook. See, with Bemrose and I, that's just what everybody says to us. So there's no book involved. They're just like, I'll no, never. If I had a nickel for every single person who would not have sex with me, you would be rich. Have more than boosts. Now, if they had to pay a nickel not to have sex with you, you'd be even doubly rich. Maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. Start street walking and just be like 50 bucks not to sleep with you. <laughs> People be like, that's a great deal. I, you know, that, that this is a business opportunity. If grumpy old Ben's ever goes under, you mean like next week, what I'll be forced to do <laughs> yeah, next week. Could happen. Could it could happen. happen. There is no show next week. The 27th, no show. And I know there'll be people on no agenda social and there'll be people in the troll room going, where's grumpy old Ben's. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, you, you know, uh, all about the Pentiums by weird Al, which I play before angry tech news. Yeah. It gets you in uh, the is, mood. Is yeah, it is about three and a half minutes long. And if uh, you know, I, I'm supposed to go live at eleven. And if ten fifty-seven comes along and Weird Al is not playing on the stream, I get trolls in the troll room going, Hey, where are my pentiums? <laughs> You've got them trained really well. Or they've got me trained, I'm not sure. Everybody loves Weird Al, man. Everybody should. Weird Al is fantastic. He's one of the greatest musicians of our time. So I'm, I'm out of notes. That was, that was everything I had. We're almost also just about out of time. Do we want to talk about, uh, I mean, we kind of have been. Yeah. We've been peppering Be- it in. Yeah. Before the show, we had a bit of a, a soul searching discussion and I don't think we came to any conclusions, but we may want to bring our producers in on this. Yeah. The simple questions of things like, well, I mean, one, do you really want the show around at all? Um, that That is an important question. We're assuming most of the people that will hear this will say yes. So then the question I, I, goes, did we get too far away by mixing the text with the politics? Do you like tech and politics? Do you want to go back to 100% tech? Is there, I mean, because unfortunately the tech podcast market and the political podcast market are so overwhelmed. They're, they're pretty saturated. In uh-huh. fact, I, and I have a bit of a problem sometimes trying to remember when, when it's pure tech, whether I did a, sh- a, a topic on this show or on ATN and they, they are different shows in terms of what kind of content you get. For one thing, you get a lot more Darren on this show, which is unfortunate, a lot more time and a lot more back and forth and, and a lot more, uh, you know, humor, random comments to, like the, the tone is different on ATN. It's, it's get in, spew the story, get back out. Now I, I could do that with, well, I couldn't do it with, for example, the California legislative bills. Those would not apply, but I just wouldn't do that story if, if I had to go back to only ATN, but, um, the unity story, I kind of wanted, uh, I, I wanted a discussion about like, 
is this the right way to go? I wanted a discussion for that. That's why it came to this show. But I have other topics that are pure tech that I could do. I mean, I guess my question is for at least the people who want Bemrose content, at least, you know, all two of you, I don't know if there's any more than that. Um, do you prefer that I bring the, uh, digest, get in, make snarky comments, get out, no discussion, just say my piece and leave, which gives you a 20 minute podcast on Tuesdays. Or do you want a discussion with a bunch of things brought up and kind of mulling over it and also talking about disc golf? Now, Funboy points out that podcasts for him have always been about conversations. And I think he is in the majority because you and I have talked about it. The downloads that we get on the shows that we do that are solo shows, which I still enjoy doing, are about a third of the two-person conversational shows. I think that's about right. They never reach anywhere near that same level as far as people being engaged with them. And it's interesting because the individual shows, as you said, you're in and out in about 20 to 30 minutes. Same thing with random thoughts, usually in and out in that under 30 minute, right around 30 minute. So it's a lot easier. You would think for people to be like, well, yeah, it's a lot easier to listen to one 30 minute podcast a week rather than that two hour thing. But I'd like to think that if you have two dozen podcasts in your feed, that giving you only 20 or 30 minutes is, is doing a service because it leaves room for listening to more things. That may be the fallacy though. That may be the, well, no, no, I don't want that. I want the long, I can turn it on and have it in the background while I'm at work or on my commute or whatever it is. So they want the lengthier episodes. The simple fact, and this is what we were mulling over uh, before the show is you know it, it's pretty obvious this show gets more downloads than either of our individual shows but it doesn't get more donations right and which is also interesting downloads downloads don't help me out when i'm trying to pay bills oh i same here the mortgage doesn't get paid on downloads and it is very interesting in fact, that downloads actually cost more money <laughs> well if you're paying by the uh, now, I've, I've got a sweet deal with my isp so it's unlimited, which is nice. Yeah. But you're absolutely correct there. The payments, uh, the donations coming in for random thoughts, while not great, when you look at them in comparison to the download numbers, way more dollars per download than this show gets. And I think maybe so, people are just like, well, this is where I want to go and I want to support the show. And I love the people that donate over on the rock and roll pre show. I get it. It doesn't matter to me where they're donating in if you know whether it's random thoughts or the rock and roll pre-show in fact on the rock and roll pre-show the other day somebody couldn't find the button to donate for the rock and roll pre-show so they sent it to random thoughts and said this is for the rock and roll pre-show so was there a request yeah there that's the way it works (laughs) but it's like so if you want to get bemrose the money i get it you go if, if you're listening to grumpy old bands and you're like man i really like this show but darren's a dick So then they could just go over to angry tech news and be like, I'm going to support this show. I may not even listen to it, but I want to support what Bemrose is doing. It all works out in that way. But it seems that, and I get it, it's Bidenomics, but I just want to know if we're that far going down the wrong 
rabbit hole. Well, I guess, and we I have guess a that's core. kind of my question at this point. Uh, yeah. We, we have not really changed the format of this show much since about episode, what, uh, 25 or so when we stopped doing single topic episodes. That was a little further, but yeah, that's once we went to a very wide open. Uh, and obviously it's, it's easier to, to prepare for and, and a lot more conversational this way. I don't mind it at all. And in its heyday, uh, when we were doing two shows a week, we really, I mean, I, I feel like we connected with a lot of people. We had a good back and forth. That was back when the economy had not been destroyed yet. But my question is, uh, I guess twofold. One is, have we run our course? Is, is this show, like, have people just moved on? And the second is, uh, have we become complacent? Are we stale? So uh, the remedy to those two is either, hey, you know, Darren has 73 other shows and I have at least one. And we, it would not, it, it would give us some time back to just say, okay, this show, we've gone as far as we needed to. Right. Or, or do we need to reboot something totally yeah. different? Do, do we need to reboot something? Do we need to change up? Would Would we be better off? Uh, bringing in guests again, we could, we could bring on Anybody uh, someone boy. like, you know, we could bring on someone like phone boy. Anybody phone about, boy. Yeah. He, he would, you know, he would give uh, a full hour and a half worth of content in three minutes. Phone boy says this show has a format. <laughs> well, exactly. I think you nailed it. Phone boy also said, I definitely don't podcast for money. Well, yeah, because you have what's called a day job phone boy. Right. And that, that is the issue. It's like when you're looking to try to monetize something like this, we all understand it is not easy to do that. The question is, how can we make this show better to encourage more listeners, which then will also hopefully encourage more people that oh, yeah. will support the show. And we're yeah, not, there, there's certainly no, uh, there's certainly no point where I'm going to try to take our existing users and squeeze more money out of them. I'm not unity. No, not unless a phone boy wins the lottery and then we're totally we're squeezing them. Actually, I think phone boy is at least, you know, until he stops with the alimony payments, he's, this is the opposite of the lottery. <laughs> no, I mean the real lottery, if he won yeah. like a billion dollars in the, uh, in the big pick, whatever it is now, is it pick like 33 or something like that? I don't know. I, I have my problem with the lottery is that I have always known too much about statistics to ever go out and buy a ticket. Right. I mean, we appreciate the few, the proud, the 60, whatever are listening on the stream right now, which means there's probably about 40 actual engaged live listeners. Are you and calling our listeners bots? Some. And some okay. I think are just left on 24 seven and some I think, I think are true. open connections. There was a while that somebody it, it, kept leaving a bunch of open connections and I would go in and delete them all. Cause they were all the same IP address for like 30 connections at once. Even yeah, even when they're all different IPs, there's the base level for the no agenda stream is usually about 35, like at all times it never drops below that. And it's possible that there are that many people who just want to listen randomly. And I know a lot of them are, but I also think that there's some people who just, connect a client and pipe it into dev null just to stream. Or there's somebody in Langley that's job is to listen to whatever's going on in this that crazy. If so, then donate. Yes. I mean, for the hell of a Pete, you want us to stick around, don't you? So that's for Ned the Ned wants to see more boobs on this show. 
I do too, but not yeah. mine or yours. Just to be very no. clear about that. So if you have ideas of how we can improve this show, feel free to reach out to us via email or the socials. You know where to find us. Or or if if you're like, yeah, grumpy old Ben's, you've pretty much said everything that needs to be said. It's fine. Move on to other projects. If that's really what you think, let us know that too. Or in, should we just go to straight stand up and forget about tech, forget about the uh, politics and just talk shit for an hour or two people might like that as well because it looked like that's well where else are we going to hear sir I mean, Bemrose that, trolling? that's only about seven other shows on the network i know but they're usually high while they do it we but, would do it sober do you think that would improve the quality i don't know it depends it depends what you're I mean, looking for i also, suppose I, the problem is that now uh, that's unrelenting yeah pretty much and that show is crashing harder than a tesla with a bad software update. Oh my God. Your metaphor. Thank Is, you. You're welcome. Blood on the blood runs red on the highway, folks. So let us know. Lithium flavored blood. And do not forget, once again, there will be no show on September 27th. Yes, you keep saying that. And next week. There will be no show this Saturday either. And a very happy anniversary. Yeah, very happy anniversary and birthday. If you want to make an anniversary slash birthday donation, go over to Angry Tech News and uh, do that. How many uh, How many years now have you been married? Like 20? Uh, this will be 16. Wow, sweet 16. So I think the best gift for a 16-year anniversary is what, $160? Is that about right? That That would be a fantastic gift, and I know my wife would approve. The Phoenix would donate $50 if Sir Bemrose and Darren do a podcast while high on the holy herb. Well, we could fake that. You would never I know. I pretend. I mean, that's not hard. Be like, I, hey, dude. I, I, I think um, it, 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 it's still illegal where you are. In Illinois, that's- no. I mean, it's perfectly legal here now. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. Like, do you have a shop nearby that you could go procure? Not that I know of. I mean, we won't allow it in there. There's a lot of people that want one. Again, the wife works for the village. It's like, they're like, nope. <laughs> we okay. Do, we do not want. I mean, you could just go down into, uh, just go down into the uh, city owned grocery store. I'm sure there'll be a city owned weed dispensary at any time. There's a legal recreational pot shop, literally three blocks away from here. Phone boy says I can't fake it. Oh dude, I've seen every episode of that 70s show. I can fake it. <laughs> that's all you need to know but we'll see we and, will and be Phoenix back says that i couldn't fake it either well how about if you get high enough that you can't tell and then we'll do the show yes and we plan on being back on october 4th weirdos like i can't wait for the show on the 27th i that's there there will be somebody and we will watch we will look at the logs and we will berate you if you're looking for the show on the 27th it is theoretically possible that somebody might connect to the stream at grumpy old Ben's time on the 27th, just for the purpose of ridiculing all you people who are tuning in after getting this warning. That'll break. You'll be like, he's not here. What are you doing? Yeah. There is no GOB. With all of that Stop said, listening, oh. it's safe to turn off your computer. Now <laughs> I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America where they must sell pot somewhere around here, but I don't know where that is. And from America's Left Coast, I'm Ryan Bemrose, and it is now safe to turn off your computer.
have been high on weed twice. 